This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Well, welcome to the Collector Car Podcast. This is going to be a fun one because it's all about James Bond, James Bond's cars. So we're going to go through quite a few of them here. But to kick us off, I want to invite or welcome Steve Struess. Hey, how's it going, man? Good to see you. Good. I just hesitated because I said, oh, no, what if I said Struss <laughs> instead? But no, I said Struess. Okay, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Uh, it's a, a nice, hot, cloudy day here in Saratoga, but we'll take it. No more rain this weekend. Yeah. So for a little bit of background, I, for my day job, I go up to Saratoga Springs basically once a year. And every time I go up there, my favorite spot to visit is the Saratoga Automobile Museum. You guys do such a fabulous job. All your exhibits, every time I've been in there, before James Bond, I think it was Radwood. Mm -hmm. Really, really cool stuff that you do. So if you would tell me, like, what's your involvement with the museum? How long have you been there? What kind of cars you like? That kind of stuff. Sure. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, the uh, the museum up here in Saratoga Springs, uh, I've been here for five years. I'm the creative director and the curator here. Um, so I kind of wear two hats in that. I handle a lot of the marketing stuff and a lot of the branding of the museum, merchandise, all that kind of thing. Uh, and then the other side of it is I actually put together the exhibits that we have on display. Um, so <clears throat> the museum's been around for 21 years now. Um, actually, basically this week will <laughs> be 21 years for us. Um, and we, ha we have two floors. So our second floor is kind of more of a permanent collection cars that we own that are or on longer display with us. Uh, but our first floor rotates out typically every six months. Uh, so like you said, before uh, Bond, we had... Uh, the Radwood display, which was in partnership with Radwood and Haggerty, which is super cool. Uh, prior to that, we had a full year of some really rare classic Porsches, uh, which is definitely my alley. If you couldn't tell by the, the Porsche paraphernalia around me yes. and my hat and everything too, uh, I'm definitely into the Porsche thing. So that was a really fun and exciting exhibit. We had um, some of the rarest um, air-cooled vehicles for our rare air exhibit. And then we did a second half because it was so popular um, we went back to that same collector a guy named Stephen Harris, who we work with a lot, um, and went back and did a second exhibit of every iteration of the RS 911, uh, cause he just so happens to have every one. So that was a super fun exhibit too. So, but yeah, 2023, now we have a bond in motion, uh, which has been open actually since late last year. Um, and it's going to run throughout this whole year. It is an official licensed and, um, Features all on-screen used vehicles from from basically all sixty years of Bond, which is super exciting. We could be more than happy to have it. So, yeah. So I I you know this last time a couple of weeks ago I went in there and I just loved the exhibit. I did a couple of fun little sixty second videos just showing what was in there, and mm -hmm. I was amazed that you know these were the actual cars. These weren't reproduction cars. You know these this right. you know it was the Z8. You know and it was the whatever the lotus submarine you know all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff so yeah. if you would just kind of i don't want to go through every single car because i know that's sure. asking a lot and we need people to go to your museum to see them in person right but, you know tell me a couple of your favorites and why sure so yeah it's because it's a kind of in celebration last year of the 60th anniversary of bond and the eon uh franchise if you will uh and celebrating 25 films we have stuff from every bond in every era so it's really great depending on it doesn't matter who your favorite bond is we have one of their cars uh so of course we have the aston martin db5 which is the iconic bond car uh one of the most recognizable cars in the world um even for the the non-car fan if you will uh, but we have everything from early mercury cougar 
uh, all the way up to uh, the most recent Aston Martins and the Daniel Craig era, and lots of fun little vehicles kind of tucked in. You mentioned the Lotus Sub. We do have one of the Lotus Subs. Um, we have a Tuk Tuk. We have an actual submarine, uh, some motorcycles and dirt bikes and stuff like that, too. So uh, when I was putting together the vehicles, um, the two organizations we worked with, uh, which was Eon Productions, who actually makes the films, uh, and the Ian Fleming Foundation, who um, is a, a private non-for-profit that kind of tasks themselves in preserving and keeping these vehicles in good shape for people to enjoy like this. Uh, they basically just sent me two giant PDFs of all the vehicles they have. And it was just like Christmas morning. I just got to pick one out that one and that one, you know, wow. so super, super fun. Um, uh, some people may have seen this exhibit or a similar version of this exhibit uh, at the Peterson last year out in L.A., um, that's where I saw it and immediately started making some phone calls and talking to my friends over at the Peterson to uh, to try to bring it to Saratoga and bring it to the East Coast. Because originally it wasn't supposed to be a traveling exhibit. It was supposed to be kind of like a one and done thing uh, to celebrate the new movie. Um, but I really wanted to bring it to the East Coast and let more people enjoy it. So we we're very fortunate that after many months of going back and forth and figuring out the details, we made it happen. So. Now, since you since you mentioned you got a PDF and it was like Christmas morning, pick you know what you wanted. What was one of the cars that was on the borderline that didn't make the cut, but you kind of wish it did? There was a couple actually. So um, the most notable one was there was a Cessna um, from I believe it An was airplane. Yes, airplane. Yeah, <laughs> uh, from I believe it was one of the uh, the Brosnan films. And it's a pretty small plane and obviously the wings come off so we could transport it easier and stuff. And I went as far as having it on my list for weeks and weeks and weeks. We had a structural engineer come in to justify making sure our, our roof supports were strong enough to hang the plane and everything. We were bottom of the ninth, ready to get this plane. And the day that they're loading it up in the truck in the Peterson, I did just something reminded me just do one last measurement on our load in door. And sure enough, the, the tail section wouldn't have cleared by about like four inches or something. So wow. that was a bummer. I had to make a quick phone call. And that's actually how I got the submarine instead. Uh, so we traded a, a small single prop airplane for a submersible vehicle. So, you know, that you take the measurements aside. That was a good call because that would have been horrible to do all that work and it doesn't fit. Oh, yeah. I think the submarine is a better call because, you yeah. know. How many people see a sub in a museum, you know? So Exactly. And it's cool. You can get up there. It's been lit on the inside. Uh, so the way we have it presented is you can kind of walk around it, but you can come right up to the front, um, like a little window section there, and it's all lit on the inside. So you can see just, it's a pretty good size sub, but it's pretty cramped on the inside after you get all those electronics in there. So, You know, it's so funny, though, because I think back to these movies, and we all have our favorites, right? Um, mm -hmm. And we all have ones that were like, what was that all about? And <laughs> yeah. I, I would call like I love Pierce Bronson as as 007 as James mm. Bond, but I just thought they were like the cheesiest era, <laughs> you know. Yeah. At the same time, though, I absolutely love the XK or XJ. Is XJ or XK the convertible, the green convertible? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, when I saw that on film, I was just like, "Wow, that thing's wicked looking," you know. And, and <laughs> you know, it's over the top and nuts, you know. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite? that you just were dying to see uh, when it came in? I, I Yeah, so I kind of in the same mindset where I grew up with the Pierce Brosnan era of Bond, um, but it was really kind of campy. And they, they kind of, that was the, the, the time of the extremes, but they also were driving really cool Astons and BMWs. And I've always loved BMWs too. So I was definitely always interested in that era. Uh, obviously the Daniel Craig stuff, the cars and that, all the DBSs and the DB10 and everything fantastic vehicles but i know it's the easy choice but that db5 
Um, I've seen and driven other DB5s, but when that one came off the trailer, knowing that that was the one that I've seen in the last, you know, six or seven films, it was really special. Uh, and I think the the whole group of like the 20 of us unloading the truck, it was very ceremoniously the last one off the truck. And we all kind of just like, we went, we went silent for a second. The thing just has like an energy to it. So it's a, it's really cool to see it in the exhibit and get close to it. Yeah. That, I just love DB5s period, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, actually where I live and there is actually one of the, I think it's the golden eye um, bond car, the real one, you know, it, it was at mm -hmm. our Cincinnati Concord a number of years ago, bought at auction yes. for like five and a half million dollars, you know? So yes. it's amazing to see that car up close and in person, which I was fortunate to just a couple of weeks ago. So actually mm -hmm. I do want to, this is kind of a fun side note for me. I just had this realization. I was going to become a comic book artist at one point, and mm. my mentor, his name is Brian <clears throat> Stelfreeze. I'll I'll insert a picture here. He was contracted out to do some of the Pierce Bronson. I think it was the cover artwork for the comic books that were released at the same time. And I just remember mm. that there was a scene with a cliff, and I think it was the DB5 racing a Ferrari, a red Ferrari 355 with mm. I won't say her name right, Framyek Jensen. Jensen, she was. Yep. Pretty big time actress it was i think her premiere as a bond girl mm -hmm. and it was just an amazing scene because they were kind of racing on the cliffs you know and one was the iconic aston martin db5 the other was at the time uh fairly new ferrari so right. hopefully i found that image and i threw it on here shout out to brian stelfries great mentor of mine wonderful guy i mm -hmm. went down another career path but my time with him was fantastic mm -hmm. so great nice. memories for me it sounds like for you as well for the bond movies right Absolutely. And that's that's an iconic memory, too, because that was the first time they brought the DB5 back after almost 30 years in the franchise, uh, which a lot of people think it's in every single movie, but it's it kind of took a hiatus for a while. And that was a whole new generation's first uh, glimpse into that car. Uh, and it made a lot of a lot of fans. I'll tell you that I, I distinctly remember that scene. We actually have that scene playing on one of the TVs by the car as well, too, because um, it is it's at the time, you know, when they shot it, it was the peak Ferrari or one of the peak high-end Ferraris you could get at the time racing this kind of seemingly out of place DB5 unless you knew what it could do. So, Well, it's kind of funny though, because looking back, you look at the 355, that's not a high performance Ferrari by today's standards, right. by any stretch of the imagination. DB5 cannot keep up with any Ferrari anywhere close to this time frame. No. It, it would have been able to hang, I, I think, you know, on the twisties a little <clears> bit <throat> with the 355, you know? So, right. And capable yeah. hands. It would right. probably do all right, but. Yeah, the other car I was really cool that was really cool to see was the uh, Z8. Now mm -hmm. that obviously wasn't the one that was cut in half because <laughs> uh, you have that picture behind it blown up, which is really great. So, mm -hmm. how was that car used in the movie? Was it prior, and then they used a prop car to cut in half? Like what? What was the connection yeah. there? So a lot of the exhibit features um, a lot of hero cars. So you kind of you're up close and you know on camera detailing kind of cars that always have to be in perfect condition. We also have a lot of stunt cars. Um, so ones that are actually outfitted with special equipment or roll cages to do a lot of the stunts. A lot of people know that the Bond franchise is known for doing as much stuff practically as possible. Uh, so, so very little CGI in most cases, um, which is which is awesome. That Z8 was, I believe, one of the kind of stunt vehicles where there's a lot of chase sequence leading up to that final dock scene where it gets cut in half on the helicopter. And I think it was used as essentially a stunt car, but something where the camera could do a little more close up. And it's funny, too, if you look, the version that we have is a traditional left-hand drive kind of North American spec Z8. Yep. Uh, but the one and all the close-ups of the film, of course, is right-hand drive. So 
some very acute um, or astute, I should say, uh, museum guests have noticed that and asked that same exact question. So I'm assuming it was just one of the stunt cars that they used for some of the, the, the chase scenes and stuff like that. Now, what was cool at the time, and I think it happened on the Z3, connect, correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong, but the car was actually debuted in the Bond film. Like when that Z8 came out, it was not available for public purchase yet. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. So Z3 or Z4, whatever that new generation was that came out, that was the car that Bond's driving up the coast and making it as scenic as possible, you know. Um, also, one of the, uh, the the issues that a lot of people have with that era of film, it's a lot of product placement. Yeah. Uh, um, Bond franchise has always been filled with it in one way or another. I mean, that's how Aston got into the films too, but um, that's kind of peak, you know, like the Pepsi logo is always facing the right way in all those shots too, you know? So, uh, but it was cool. Cause like I said, I was a big BMW fan and it was cool to see a different make come in and have Bond embrace it. And the Z3, Z4, whatever one it was, there was kind of the approachable car you could actually go buy. And then they would come out later with the Z8, which of course was a much more expensive uh, kind of heritage car. Um, I believe start off as like a, a a concept tribute back to the 2002. Uh, and then I think it was so popular they ended up making it, which was great. Um, another beautiful car to drive and to look at just on its own, regardless of its connection with Bond. So um, yeah. really fantastic vehicle. Yeah, no, no, that's really exciting. That's very cool. Now, I believe in the original novels, didn't Bond drive either a Rolls Royce or a Bentley? And then they switched yeah. it to a sports car because they felt like, you know what, for the film, that's kind of crusty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So in one of the earlier in the books, the Fleming novels, he drove a blower Bentley, which we know is a super cool oh, car. That's a great car. Awesome. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, for the films, they wanted something a little bit more modern, something a little more sexy and interesting to look at. And then Aston kind of famously wasn't that excited about the whole process. They got involved. They gave him the car. Um, it obviously blew up with uh, with the, the, that first film that it was in. And it just, they took the car back. They installed all the modifications and the weapons and everything and returned it back to stock and sold it just as a regular vehicle. Because they didn't think it would, you know, despite all the fanfare that it got, they didn't think that it was, you know, going to live up to this crazy uh, history that it has. So uh, they've obviously changed their tone. They've been, yeah. essence, now a cornerstone to the, the Bond brand. And a lot of people believe the reason that the brand is even still around to this day. So curveball question here. If you could have mm -hmm. only one James Bond gadget on your car, Ooh. what would it be? I'm thinking for myself as well. I know mine. That's... All right. Yeah. What's yours? Well, you're just stalling for more time. I definitely am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My, now maybe I'm getting James Bond confused with Greece. I'm not sure, but mine <laughs> would be the, uh, you know the the hubcaps that pierce that go on um, and they you know the, they spin and tear up the car i think that's both bond and and grease um absolutely yeah. <laughs> but where that's you know what one. i got this i got this or or you know what i'm going to flip that i'm going to say oil spill mm -hmm. i'm tired of tailgaters yeah you know or smoke bombs <clears throat> you know when you're exactly. riding you know right in my back end i'm going to spin you i think that that's what i would pick that's what that was mine too i was thinking because either that the, the rockets in the front of the car seems a little too aggressive like that's you know but a good smoke bomb or a good grease trap or something like that you can get away and still do your job without literally shooting a missile at somebody so yeah it'd be uh, hard to have fun with machine guns in the yeah. front that sounds cool but practical yeah, it, would, it would last one day and then you'd be in jail for sure so yeah, oil slicks are much more practical <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah okay 
Well, that's really cool. Now, I, I am curious, you mentioned unloading these cars, like from a logistics perspective, mm -hmm. give us a little insight as far as what it took to get these, you know, obviously you kind of got the lead from the Peterson, got some connections, mm -hmm. but walk us from there. How did this all come to opening day? Just broad strokes. Sure. Yeah, no. So it's with all these things, it's either kind of one or two camps, either it's all one collection that exists kind of all together which makes logistics a lot easier because it's usually one contact in one place to pick up and drop off. And some other exhibits are, you know, 15 or 20 cars from 15 or 20 different people around the country. So it's a little more complicated. This one, luckily, most of the vehicles were in LA. We had a couple come in from different places that were um, later on, but we are really fortunate that DHL is a huge sponsor of the whole Bond franchise. So they continue their sponsorship throughout both the Peterson exhibit and our exhibit. So that helped a lot with the logistics and transportation. We knew the vehicles were going to rise safe and sound, and and they did. Um, but yeah, it was it's quite the process. Um, luckily with this, because they all came, or most of them came from the Peterson, 6 a.m. the day they said they're going to be here, they were here. We had, I think it was 11 total trucks between car haulers and box trucks and stuff, uh, because there's no good way to ship a submarine, as you can imagine, uh, so, or a snowmobile or any of that kind of stuff. So um, so it was a, definitely a, a wide variety of vehicles that showed up, but, uh, but yeah, it's a lot of, as you imagine, a lot of phone calls and conference calls. There's a lot of paperwork involved in this kind of exhibit because, uh, if we put on something that's just, you know, cool cars, of the fifties or whatever, um, it's our intellectual property. It's all I have to do. It's so it's, it's all good. Um, even with Radwood with a sponsor with Haggerty and Radwood themselves, it was a really simple, like basically verbal agreement because, you know, those guys are super easy to work with. They're like, yeah, cool. You're all good. Do it. Uh, but with this, because we're dealing with the licensing of the films, the name, the IP, music, video, I mean, everything, everything is a separate license and it's all different companies. So we're working with, you know, MGM, Sony, Eon, and all these other people. Plus a lot of the cars are owned by Aston Martin or Jaguar themselves. So there was a lot of moving parts. Um, and it took, like I said, about six months from when I initially visited the exhibit and kind of started talking to them about it. So the fact that we had a signed contract in hand. And it's a little longer than we normally would take to do an exhibit like of this size. But uh, like I said, there's just a lot of we want to make sure that it was all set in stone and good to go. So, no, that's really great. Now, I before we move off of the James Bond stuff, I do have two more questions for you. Yeah, sure. Uh, unrelated to James Bond. But mm -hmm. anything else you wanted to cover about James Bond? Now, is it through December 31st? Is it through January we actually just were talking to them. We just extended another couple of weeks. Um, it looks like some of the cars are going to uh, go on display somewhere else in the country next year. Uh, so to help with the scheduling of all that stuff, we're actually going to keep the exhibit another couple of weeks. Uh, so now it looks like it's going to be through about mid-January. Um, okay. So we're going to an official close date, but out you know through the end of the year, definitely. And what's your website? It is saratogaautomuseum.org. Now, I highly recommend, folks, even if it's just to see the museum, you it is worth a trip. Saratoga Springs, gorgeous little downtown. I would not go during horse time frame <laughs> when the when the races are happening because the advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because the hotels are astronomical. But I mean mm -hmm. the parks up there are gorgeous. The food is amazing. Great little yeah. downtown area. There's a cruising at what's the barbecue place? Uh uh, it's barbecue USA now, just about a barbecue USA. Feet. Barbecue yeah, it used to be PJs for the people yeah. who went up here. Wednesdays, there's a cruise in there. I've been mm -hmm. by there. It's a great place to just hang out and see some cool local cars arrive. Mm -hmm. Definitely worth the trip to check it out. Fly into Albany, just 45 minutes north, and you're there. So I love it. Love visiting your place. All right. Two, sure. two questions here. Sure. 
what would be your dream exhibit? This is Steve's mm. exhibit. Like, what would it be? Is it Porsches? Is it air-cooled? Is it wacky? That's interesting. I um, I definitely set a high bar with the, that Porsche exhibit, the Rare Air one we did a couple of years ago, because that's very selfishly all my favorite cars and some of the finest examples of each of those cars. Uh, that was an exhibit that I did not get sick of coming into the museum every morning and leaving every night and seeing and turning the lights on and off on. Um, I think I've heard all the Bond songs enough at this point, <laughs> but, uh, but that exhibit, you know, I, I think uh, that was one that I could have had that on display for another five years to the point where probably once a day, I still have someone I talk to on the floor here ask, uh, you know, do you guys still have all those Porsche cars? Because they came, that was a lot of people's first experience. That exhibit set a lot of, you know, records for us as far as attendance and stuff like that. So that was a really good one that I I kind of gauge all of my future exhibits on, if not just for numbers and attendance and stuff. But um, I am working on something kind of hopefully in the next year or two that is something I've been thinking about for a while, um, which is just including a lot more design and artwork into stuff. Um, you know, we like to think outside the box more so than just a collection of cars to come look at. We still do that all the time and that's perfectly good, but we're trying to think of better ways to get more people who would maybe never consider coming to a car museum to come in. Um, so necessarily not tying it to just a certain maker model, but tying it to a certain idea or a concept, whether that's modern art or fashion or anything like that, you know, not a revolutionary idea, obviously plenty of museums do that, but for our little size museum, um, it's a, it's a big step for us to kind of hit more of a mass appeal thing. So hopefully the next couple of years, you'll see some of those where it's uh, still an incredible collection of vehicles, but with a more, um, a more open storyline, you know? You know, it's funny you say that, and and you can take this idea and, and have it as your own. Mm -hmm. okay, it's Thank not you. copyrighted or anything. <laughs> uh, we At RM Sotheby's, we had a Mercedes Gullwing that was the subject car for a famous Andy Warhol painting, right? Mm. And I thought, man, what a great exhibit that would be to have the car and then have a, you know, enlarged painting of the car behind it. And mm -hmm. what a cool exhibit that would be. Any any famous painting that has a car, try to bring the car and the painting in. You know, that would be really right. cool. Um, well, I will say, um, without playing my hand too much here, because I'm still a long way from locking in the next exhibit, but the next exhibit does have a lot to do with artwork, automobiles, whether the cars are the artwork or the they're, like you said, tied to some famous artwork. Uh, and Warhol is definitely involved. So hopefully I can lock up all those details so we can announce that really soon. But um that very very good suggestion i'll make sure to give you full full credit no 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 credit notes. <laughs> no credit needed um all right my next question my last question actually is what is up with the cool ferrari up and upstairs mm. so we have a donate a car program at the museum that's really similar to uh, most of your like you know uh, cars for troops and all those other kind of you know typical um, donation programs ours obviously benefits us here at the museum and we typically get cars that have lived a very long and sometimes strenuous life. Um, and, you know, so we'll get like a minivan that has 700,000 miles on it that the person just can't sell. And um, so they give it to us and we either sell it or scrap it or find some other use for it. And it, you know, benefits the museum. Every once in a while, we get some really interesting vehicles that come through. We had a really cool 80s Datsun come in a couple months ago, which was fun. We were just given a 66 Mustang, which I know you and I looked at last time you we were here, which was fun too. All original, pretty, pretty decent little car. 
Uh, but the one that definitely takes the cake for our donations is a, um, a mid-60s Ferrari 250 TR60. Um, now, to be clear, it's not one of the original, original Ferrari, the 39 of them that they made. That would make this a next to priceless car, as we both know. But um, <clears throat> it is a legitimate Ferrari. Um, it is built off of a 250 Lusso chassis from the 60s. Which is one of the prettiest cars ever. Right? It is. The Lusso's. Oh, I love those Lusso's. Beautiful, beautiful car. Obviously inspired the look of the 330 that came after it. Um, but the, the benefit was they made the most of the Lusso of the 250 chassis. So there's a lot of them out there. A lot of them got crashed or wrecked or kind of neglected by the 80s. So what a lot of people did was they would take that Lusso powertrain and chassis and put on a TR body. There was a lot of bodies made to go racing. Obviously, you have spares. Uh, so someone in the 80s in France tracked down the body, put it on the car, and went racing with it. And it saw some time at Spa. It saw some time here in the States at various tracks, walking some land and stuff. So um, it was purchased by an anonymous donor who decided to give it to us uh, at the beginning of this year. We took the car in. Um, it runs and drives fantastically. Uh, and we're making a point to bring it to absolutely any event we can have a reason to take it out of the museum for. Super fun to drive. Beautiful looking car. Um, it's it's definitely one that it's those instantly recognizable cars. You don't know anything about cars. You just know that's a Ferrari and it's probably really fast. And both things are true. <laughs> you know, what's so funny is I'm a purist when it comes to cars and mm -hmm. my heart would want to take it back to the Lusso. But when you see right. it, I'm like, oh, there's no way I take it back to the Lusso. I take, yeah. <laughs> I just drive the wheels off of it as it is, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's in really good shape, but it's not perfect. It, like I said, it has been raced. So if you start to really kind of, it's definitely not a Concord car by any means, but if you look at it, and you can see that there's a little wear thing in here, like definitely a rock chip there from, you know, turn seven at Watkins or whatever. So it's cool to have. And something that we, obviously it's still worth a bunch of money, but it's it's not a $150 million car, you know? So we can right. take it to a car show. And if a little kid leans on the hood, takes a photo, I'm not sweating bullets, you know? That, that makes it it makes it fun. You know, those rock yeah. chips and such, you don't have to worry about things as if it was a Concord car. So. Right. And the nice thing too, if you are a purist, as I am too, in a lot of ways with that stuff. But uh, we have a 53 to, uh, uh, 250 uh, right next to it on the museum and display too from our friends at the the Cultivated Collector. So uh, if you if you really want to see the the both of them, the road car and the race car, they're right next to each other. So yeah, that's true. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Steve. I appreciate you joining us on the Collector Car Podcast. Happy to be here anytime. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.